Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this evening, for this uh, celebration of Sukkot. I thank you that we have this beautiful sukkah standing this evening. Uh, I thank you for all of those who took part in helping build it and decorate it and get it prepared this evening. I thank you for the amazing weather that we are having right now, allowing us to be able to celebrate Sukkot under the sukkah, under the stars this evening as we enter into this feast. Father, I pray for your uh, word to speak this evening. I pray for you to, to use me for your good and glory, that it be your word spoken, your heart felt. Nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. And Father, I pray that you move upon our hearts to receive from you. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen. Um, as most of you are aware by now, and if you aren't, go back uh, to the videos on Facebook or through the podcast, and you can go back and catch up on this uh, series during the High Holy Days, during the, the Fall Moedim, the appointed days where uh, the Lord placed on my heart a few months back to do a series called The Call. Um, uh, on the for the holidays, and um, this is uh, at least for me has been a phenomenal uh, series of messages. I really feel like the Lord is speaking directly to our congregation uh, about what He has in store for us in the future, uh, both near future and that which is still uh, far off, as well as uh, the the reality of the call He has given to us as believers in Messiah. Um, and as a refresher for Rosh Hashanah, both messages on Rosh Hashanah were uh, about the call to repentance. Uh, for Yom Kippur, it was a call to sanctification or a call to holiness. And for this evening and Saturday for Sukkot, the, uh, the, the, the messages are the call to kingdom living. Um, and so I want you to kind of wrap your heads around that for a minute, let it uh, kind of settle in your heart, because I think a lot of times we lose the focus on the reality that we are not just a random person who believes in the blood atonement of Messiah, but that we are actually heirs in the kingdom of God, that we are sons and daughters of the king of all creation, uh, of the king of all kings. And, uh, and it's important that we wrap our heads around that it's not just about um, repentance and salvation and sanctification and so on, but recognizing that we are a part of something greater and the Lord wants us to use him, you, wants to use us in that. So if you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Galatians 5, uh, beginning with verse 13. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 13. Uh, and as you're getting there and getting prepared, uh, I want one of the things we call Sukkot is Zeman Simchatenu, which means a time of our joy or a time of our rejoicing. Um, and it's a week-long workshop uh, on joy, uh, Sukkot. That's what it is. Like God commanded us on Sukkot to live in Sukkot, to live in a sukkah like this. Um, and it's to remind us, and, and really a sukkah in essence is a lean-to at best. It's designed to be temporal. It's designed to be a very temporary housing. 
Um, it's not something that takes place of our permanent homes or anything along those lines. But when we are to stay in it uh, during Sukkot for seven days uh, in Israel, we were commanded to stay in the sukkah. It was to remind us of where our forefathers came from. It was to remind us of what the Lord had brought us through in coming out of Egypt and through the Yom Suf, the Red Sea, and into the wilderness. And for 40 years, we wandered in the wilderness living in tents, living in temporary dwelling places. More important than that, it is to remind us of the tabernacle, the Mishkan, the temporary dwelling place that the Lord's presence dwelt in in the midst of Israel, uh, in the midst of our wandering in the wilderness, in the midst of Israel, in the promised land. Uh, and so the the beauty of this as believers is that the sukkah, we get to take joy not only in celebrating this and experiencing it, but we get to take joy in the fact that we now are a part of that tabernacle, that Mishkan, where the presence of the Lord dwells, that he has called us to be that temporal house for his presence each of us look <laughs> I don't care what we think we can do I don't care what the new fads are in the health industry and what have you we are not going to live forever we are temporal thanks to the fall of humanity thanks to sin entering in this world our bodies as we know it now are temporal they are designed to decay and fade away but while we are here, while we are alive, our very life and purpose should be that of the presence of the Lord leading and guiding and impacting others. And so as we celebrate this Zeman Simchatenu, this time of rejoicing and joy, I want you to grasp the fact that we have something greater to take joy in. As a matter of fact, what we're about to read here in Galatians 5 is that joy is one of those fruits of the Spirit, right? A lot of times as believers, I think we wallow in depression uh, about the world around us. Uh, I mean, just uh, with what's gone on just this week, the shooting the other day in Las Vegas and so on. How often have we seen people that are believers that have or should have the joy of Messiah in their lives that are depressed and despairing about what's happening, about what we're seeing? Look, first off, if you're a believer and you've ever opened up the word of God, it shouldn't be a surprise to you that there's a lot of really bad garbage going on in this world. It shouldn't be a surprise that everything's about to hit the fan. It shouldn't be a surprise that what we know is evil, people call good, and what we know is good, people call evil. It shouldn't be a surprise that there are wars and rumors of wars. It shouldn't be a surprise that the entire world hates us because of our faith. It shouldn't be a surprise. Yeshua told us, they will hate you because of me. It's not you that they hate, it is me inside of you that they hate. And it's not that they hate you because of me, it's that they hate you because they don't have me in them. All right? We got to understand, we get in this mode of depression and despair, and, and how often does somebody ask us, hey, how are you doing today? And we're like, eh, I'm all right. I'm making it. It's another day. Sky isn't falling around me. I had a bad time at work or I had a bad time at this or these people hated me and these people called me names and woe is me and what have you, right? One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So if we have the Spirit of God, we should have joy, right? And if our response is not immediately joy and thanksgiving and praising God for what he's done, and look, I'm as guilty as anybody else, and most of it is because I'm just naturally sarcastic, and I'm going to give a sarcastic response. But the reality is we are supposed to be full of joy, 
and excitement. And so I pray that this Zaman Semchatenu, that this Sukkot, this time of rejoicing and this time of joy and celebration will be one that draws back into our hearts and our lives, each and every one of you, that that first love that we have found, that joy that we are to live in, that we're to walk in. Verse 13 of Galatians 5 says, Brothers and sisters, you were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole Torah can be summed up in a single saying, love your neighbor as yourself. From Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not destroyed by one another. Listen, that one line. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not destroyed by one another. That's the definition of what we now know as the body of Messiah in the 21st century. Okay? We love to beat up on each other. We love to tear down everyone else. We love to rip each other apart. We love to crap on anyone that is not exactly like us. There are so many denominations that exist in the body of Messiah uh, that it's not even funny. I mean, thousands upon thousands. You realize that many of these denominations exist, these splits, these disunities, these divisions that exist, exist over things as simple as how often do we do communion? Are we supposed to do it every week, every month, every year? How often are we supposed to do communion? Or should we use the red hymnals or the blue hymnals? Should we use liturgy or should we do only free prayers? Should we speak in tongues or should we not? Should we meet in the mornings on Sundays or meet in the afternoons on Sundays? Should we have blue chairs or green chairs? Should What color carpet? What color walls should the, the congregation have? What color? We argue and divide and break apart over the dumbest possible things. In all honesty. Look, the reality is we're, we're a Messianic Jewish synagogue, right? Which means that we're already an oddity to most of the body of Messiah because we look weird, we act weird, we talk weird, and we do weird things that nobody else thinks matters anymore. All right? And a lot of times as believers, we get so hung up in the fact that we are stuck between a rock and a hard place as Messianic believers. We get, we get so hung up in the fact that the church really doesn't like us because they don't understand us and, and the Jewish world doesn't like us because they don't understand us that we forget that we're a part of the body of Messiah and that we're not supposed to just be us versus them. As a matter of fact, it shouldn't be the verses at all. It should be us with the body of Messiah. And the same goes for the church down the street this way or that way or any other in the area is we are part of the body of Messiah. God does not uh, breed disunity and division that comes from the enemy. So if we're biting against each other or fighting each other, if we're causing problems and issues, if we are dividing at all, and by the way, all of these denominations that exist and all of these congregational splits that have existed are because of division and disunity. It's not from God. It's from the enemy. And because we allow this disunity and division to exist and we fester in it and we let it boil over, we are actually doing damage to the gospel of Messiah that is supposed to be coming forth from our unity. All right? We are causing damage to the message of Messiah because people aren't seeing it. They're seeing how much we hate each other. We're saying God is love and he loves you, but I don't like the guy next to me. I don't like the people down the street. So just as much as we need to learn that joy again, we need to learn to love each other in the body of Messiah and work together. I purposely and intentionally build relationships with pastors in the area 
so that we can work together, minister together, uh, and and impact the world around us. And it's been awesome. Some of my closest friends in ministry are pastors, uh, both in this area and other places we've lived. Verse 16 goes on, but I say, walk by the Ruach, by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desires against the Ruach, but the Ruach sets its desires against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you cannot do what you want. So if you're living in the flesh, in other words, in sin, that's not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is supposed to be leading and guiding everything that you do. And so if the Spirit of God is leading you, only what the Lord desires should come from our lives. And if it's something other than what is godly and clean and holy and righteous, we need to check ourselves and get back in line with the Spirit of God that resides within us. All right, because the flesh works against the spirit, the spirit works against the flesh, and we can't live in both worlds. We can't live in the world of the flesh, in the world of sin, and in the world of the Ruach HaKodesh. But if you are led by the Ruach, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, just as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit God's kingdom. Those who do such things will not inherit God's kingdom. As believers in Messiah, we are heirs in the kingdom of God. Right? So if we do any of this garbage, if we let this permeate in our lives. Now look, it's not to say that we got to live perfect lives all the time because we're human. And that's just not going to happen. All right? As much as I would love to say that it is possible, it's, it's just not going to happen. We're going to fail from time to time. But are we going to get back in line again? Are we get back on track again? Are we going to get our lives back in line with what the Spirit of God wants to do? All of these things, by the way, he says, if you are living in the Ruach, you're not under the law. That's right, because the, the law, the Torah, is not oppressive. It's freeing. It's life-giving. All right? And so if, if you live in the Spirit, if you notice every one of these things that it says are outside of the Spirit of God, all these things that are fleshly, there are commandments about in the Torah. Every single one of them. As a matter of fact, most of the Torah's commandments dealing with these things. All right? So he says, you're not under the law. In other words, it's not oppressive to you. But the Spirit of God, which inspired those words, now guides your life and your footsteps. So these things should be alleviated from your life. So that you can walk in faithfulness and the glory of God and impact the world around you. Verse 22 goes on. But the fruit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you belong to Messiah, your passions, your flesh, your earthly desires are no longer yours, but have been replaced or should have been replaced by the Spirit of God and God's desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you live, uh, if you, uh, live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach, the Spirit. The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, it should permeate our very being. Every thought we have, every word we speak, every action, everything we do should be led by the Ruach HaKodesh, by the Holy Spirit of God. And if it isn't, we need to figure out how to get our lives back in line and back on track with God. 
Because if we're not being led by the Spirit, we are not impacting the world around us for the kingdom of God. We are not living the Great Commission. We are not honoring the call God has given us to bring the good news, the Besorah, the gospel of Messiah to the lost. We are not making disciples. As a matter of fact, most of us in the body of Messiah in the 21st century probably drive more people away from God than we drive to. All right, let that sink in for a moment. Most of us, I I venture to say all of us as believers, likely drive more people away from God than we do to God. You know how many atheists and agnostics there are in the world because of believers? Because we say and speak one thing and live and do another. Because the world around us sees us and they see a mirror image of themselves. Yet they hear all of this garbage telling them to change their lives in ways we're not willing to actually change ours. And so if we're going to truly live by the power and the presence of the living God and His Ruach HaKodesh, His Holy Spirit, which resides within us, if we are going to actually be a part of the kingdom of God, if we are going to live as heirs in the kingdom of God, We need to live and walk and breathe and think and every ounce of everything that we are needs to be so uh, um, readily embedded in the Ruach HaKodesh that that is all people see. St. Francis of Assisi, as I said earlier, praying, says, at all times preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. For some reason, we flip that mentality around and we want to preach the gospel and our lives never actually live it and never actually impact people's lives so that they can find Messiah. But what the Lord wants to do is to use our lives to impact others so that they come and ask questions and want to know more about us. When people see us in the community, they should see God first. And then they should see us. When people see us in the community, they should see this Shekhinah, the divine glory of the Lord. When we read through the book of Acts, the reason people came running out to lay their sick at the feet of Peter, the reason they came running out trying to even just get a cloth of Paul, wasn't because there was something great and wonderful about Paul or even because of the words that they spoke, but was because people saw the power of God in their lives. There wasn't any difference between what the disciples did at the end of Acts 1 and what they did at the end of Acts 2. The difference, though, was that at the end of Acts 1, they raised in promotion one of their own. At the end of Acts 2, they added thousands to their numbers of those who were being saved. But the difference was the presence and the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. People saw God in their midst. You and I today are the tabernacle. We are the Mishkan. We are the temporal dwelling place of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Shekhinah, the divine glory of the Lord. When Israel walked in the wilderness, they walked behind the tabernacle so that they could see the fire of the Lord leading them in their journey, so that they could see God and chase after Him at all times. You are the Mishkan. You are the tabernacle today. Do people chase after you because they see the fire of the Lord upon you? If they don't, what are we doing? that is hindering people seeing the presence of the Lord in our lives? Are we truly living in the fruits of the Spirit? Are we living in the fruit of the flesh? We move to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. I love this passage. As a matter of fact, I think we just recently uh, talked about this uh, at the synagogue. I love this passage because it, it brings to reality that the, the gospel, the good news, the besor, the kingdom of God itself is not something far off that is uh, impossible to attain. 
As a matter of fact, it gives reference to uh, Mount Sinai and the Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds, and uh, the, the presence of the Lord, and that we don't have to go to some crazy mountain off in the distance to go hunt him down. We don't have to go look for shamans out in the, the desert. We don't have to go climb mountains in the Himalayas to be able to find the Lord or somebody that can lead us to the Lord, but that his presence, his very literal presence is in our midst every waking moment, every waking day, and all we have to do is open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to him. We have to humble ourselves. We have to humble our flesh to see and to recognize him. Verse 18 of Hebrews 12 says, for you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched or to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and storm and to the blast of a shofar and a voice whose words made those who heard it beg that not another word be spoken to them for they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touched the mountain, it shall be stoned. So terrifying was the sight of Moses uh, the, the sight that Moses said, I am quaking with fear. The very man who regularly entered the presence of God, the very man who came down off the mountain with his face glowing with the radiant glory of the Lord was terrified at the voice of the Lord in his presence. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, a joyous gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are written in the scroll in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect, and to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood of that that speaks of something better than the blood of Abel. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who was warning them on earth, much less will escape if they reject the one who warns from heaven. His voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this phrase, yet once more, shows the removal of those things that are shaken, that is, created things, so that uh, what cannot be shaken may remain. Listen, when we go back to Acts 2, you know what they felt? They felt the shaking of God. They felt the earth around them, the very reality and existence of everything they knew shake. And what was within them, the created being, that which has fallen to sin, was shaken and removed. And what was then standing in its place was the very presence of God and a renewed flesh in his spirit. What is about to happen in the world around us in days soon to come, I believe, is that the heavens and the earth will be shaken. The heavens and earth will ultimately, ultimately be rolled away and the new heaven, new Jerusalem will descend upon the earth and we will finally be ushered into the kingdom of God. We will finally celebrate the wedding feast of the Lamb. We will finally be gathered into the sukkah of Adonai in heaven. We will finally experience the reality of being in the tabernacle not made by human hands but made by that of God. And when that time comes... The Lord is going to look at us and either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or get away from me, for I have not known you. And the word of God says that the way that, that we know who is saved is by the fruit that they produce. You want to walk in the calling of being part of the kingdom of God. You want to walk in the calling of kingdom living. It means we've got to produce fruit. And the only way we can produce fruit is get out of the way of God and let God move so mightily and so powerfully in our lives that people come to us recognizing that we are in a greater Mount Zion, that we are in a greater tabernacle, that we live in a greater covenant, and they want what we have because the hope that this world is so terribly, so horribly longing for is a hope that you and I have found. And if we're not sharing that hope, we are failing at the call that the Lord has given us to kingdom living. 
Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. Through this, we may offer uh, our worship in a manner pleasing to God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Right? Our God is a consuming fire. His presence is Shekinah's divine glory now resides within us as believers. And his fire doesn't just take a little bit. He doesn't want to just take over bits and pieces of our lives. He doesn't want to just impact little parts and and pieces and intricate details of our lives. He wants to fully take over. He wants us to get out of his way and let him use us and move through us and impact others. He wants that his fruit of the spirits begin to flow through us. That others may see the joy and the hope and the, the excitement that we have when we talk about the presence of the Lord. See, a lot of times we talk about the Lord and we talk about him as though his presence is depressing. And we scare people away because who wants that, right? We talk about his saving grace, but then people see our faces and they see our lives and they see the mess that we're often ro- rolled up in and they go, I don't, I don't want that. I've already got enough of that in my life. I don't need more. I'm looking for something different. Back to Galatians 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Ruach, this fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we've crucified, if our flesh and passions and desires of this world have been crucified, they have then been replaced by the Lord's passions and desires. We have been called to live in God's kingdom. We've been called to kingdom living. Kingdom living means let's set aside our differences. Let's set aside the things we don't like. Let's get out of this mentality of gloominess that we live in and we walk in and we, we constantly put out there. You know what? How about we walk in faith? How about we speak in faith? How about we change people's lives in faith? How about when we pray for people and we lay hands on them for healing, we don't try to talk ourselves into believing that God can do it? The disciples didn't run around and go, okay, um, here's this beggar in front of me who hasn't walked his entire life, so Lord, um, I don't know, he's got bum legs, I don't know what the problem is, he sits here on this thing all day, and, and I know that people feel sorry for him, and, and he wants nothing more than to have his life back, and, and Lord, I know that you can heal him, and, 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 and I know that as you're healing him, other people will see it, and, and I know that, that when you heal him, it's going to make this better, and that better, and, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and, and Lord, I know that one day he'll be able to get up and go, and if it's your will, Lord, he'll roll up his mat and walk away, if it's not though, Lord, it's okay, we understand understand they didn't do any of that why do we do it somebody comes to us and asks for prayer you know what we have the same presence of the king of god of the universe in our lives that peter and paul did why is it we have to cry out to the lord and beg and beg and beg and we feel the need to explain to the one who knows all all of these problems and trials and tribulations in this individual's life and all of the things that they're saying and the doctor said and the the turmoil they're in and the pain and the aggression that they have and whatever else and then finally get to the request of of healing. When we look at Yeshua as our example, Yeshua walked up and said, open your eyes and see. Get up and walk. Lazarus, come out the grave. Peter and and Paul and the disciples would read through the book of Acts the same thing. Get up and walk. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I given to you. Get up, roll up your mat, and walk. People ran out. As I said earlier, they ran out hoping that just the shadow of Peter might fall on them and they'd be healed. 
That's walking in the power and presence of the Lord. That's walking in the kingdom life. As I've said before, we don't live in a day where preaching the gospel is going to do anything anymore. Don't get me wrong. The gospel's great. It's awesome. But preaching is not going to get us anywhere anymore because the world around us doesn't believe in finite truth anymore. All right? So you and I talk about the gospel as finite truth, but the world around us doesn't believe in finite truth. What is truth to Erica may not be truth to, to Jason or, or to Monty or to whoever else. And the world around us doesn't, they don't believe in this concept of finite truth. So we come preaching the gospel as though it's finite truth, which we know it is and we believe it is, but the world around us doesn't. And at the same time that we're preaching this finite truth, they don't see God in us. They can look right through us. The world that we live in, they see the reality. They don't see what we hope for. They see the reality. And so when we're preaching the gospel and tell them how great the Lord is and how he wants to change their lives and he's got hope and, and, and salvation and, and all of this, he's going to take away our pains and our problems and our trials, but we can't seem to get out of our pains and problems and trials. We can't seem to put off the old nature. And when they see us, they can't tell the difference between us and somebody walking out of strip club. They see us, they can't see the difference between us and somebody at some crazy Wiccan festival in the woods. Because we just look like some Joe Schmo from down the street that nobody knows or cares about in the first place. The problem is, is we think we have to preach the gospel. Never did the Lord command for us to preach it. He commanded us for us to live it. Go and make disciples of all men, immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. How do we make disciples? It's when they see God in us. And they want what we have. They want what he's done in us. But if we make the Lord look so miserable, if we make the life of living as a believer look so miserable, if every time somebody sees us at work, we're that guy nobody wants to be near. Years ago, I worked uh, uh, in O'Charlie's in Mobile. And uh, when I was, one day I came in and I don't know what was going on. I still to this day, I can't, I, I can't tell you exactly what was happening at that point in my life. But for some reason, every time I walked into work, I literally became the most miserable person you could imagine. I would snap and explode. And I have a bad temper in the first place in general. And, and, and that's a, you know, always been something I've struggled with um, and, and what have you. But I mean, I would snap over the dumbest things. And, and people were actually afraid to be around me at work. And so one of my managers came to me and said, listen, said, uh, I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening. This guy's not a believer because I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what, what's going on. He goes, but you got to get your crap together. He said, because people don't want to work with you. They're, they're scared of you. And at this point, I've been there for a year and a half, two years. I ran the training program in the restaurant and all this kind of stuff. I'd been in, really involved in, and become a part of the core team of the restaurant. And people were afraid of me. They didn't want to be near me because they knew that they were going to get yelled at or snapped at or, or whatever. And he goes, you know, you got to get your crap together because I don't, I don't know what's going on. But if you keep on like this, you're not going to be working here for much longer. And I, I worked a lot of doubles, which probably was the problem, but I worked a lot of doubles uh, about five days a week. I worked doubles uh, at the restaurants. I'd open the restaurant up and I'd close the restaurant down. Uh, and so the, there was a morning shift that he had this conversation with me and I get off, I cash out, I go out to my car and uh, I always had my Bible in my car and I'd go out to the car and I open up my Bible. I sit in there and, and I just start praying and said, Lord, you know, clearly they're not seeing you. If, they're, if all they're seeing is fear and anger and, and rejection and, and whatever, they're not seeing you. What is going on? What is wrong? What needs to be changed? How can, 
more of you become my reality so that others' lives are changed. I said, I know you've placed me here for a purpose. And so I started praying and, and I opened up the word and, and, and immediately turned to a passage in Psalms. And I still can't tell you where it was, but all of a sudden everything changed as I read through this psalm. Everything changed. And it was weird because I started noticing uh, while I was sitting there on my break, I started noticing that uh, every time I walked in the restaurant, there was this gloom. I mean, literally, like I walked into darkness. And if, if you've ever worked in restaurants, like that's reality. Restaurants, uh, restaurants to have some of the worst people in terms of lifestyle you're ever going to meet. Drugs and promiscuity and uh, anything else you can imagine, alcoholics and whatever. I mean, everything. Uh, almost everybody in the staff is mixed up in something that you shouldn't be mixed up in. And, uh, and so there was this gloominess that I, you know, everything was happy, uh, happy-go-lucky, hunky-dory when I was outside the restaurant. But as soon as I walked through that door, everything changed and this darkness consumed me. And, and I could notice it then. I didn't notice it before, but after I had that time of prayer and was in the Word on my break, I, I get done. It's time for me to go clock back in for the night shift. I get out my car, and I walk inside, and I notice, you know what? That gloominess isn't on me now. This darkness hasn't absorbed me. And I walk inside, and the manager comes up to me. He goes, I know what you did, dude, but it's right. I mean, I, I wasn't even in the door for three minutes. I don't know what you did, but, but everything's better. You're good now. I can see that there's something different, right? And it changed everything. And I, I mean, literally from then on, people were no longer afraid of me. They weren't afraid of getting this explosive attitude every time they did something that wasn't right or something that I wasn't happy about or whatever else. Everything changed. And from that moment on, people started coming to me going, so let me ask you this question and that question about the word of God or about my life or about what the Lord wants to do and so on and so forth. And literally every restaurant I've worked in since then, every job I've had since then, People would come up to me and go, there's something different about you, and I want to know what it is. And I want a part of it. I want to, I want to know what that is. This isn't to brag about me, and it's not to say I'm perfect at this all the time, because I'm not. None of us are. But that should be our day-in, day-out reality. When we wake up in the morning, we should feel the presence of God so fervent upon our lives that we know without a doubt that every person we come into contact with will recognize that they have encountered the presence of God before they ever hear the words of God come out of our mouth. So when we talk about it all the time, preach the gospel of necessary use words, this is kingdom living. We should live in the kingdom of God. And if we are living in sin, we are living in the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of this world is not God's world, it is a kingdom of darkness. And the word of God, John says, the light will not be overcome by darkness. We should be living in the light. We should be permeating the radiant glory of God. If you stand outside this sukkah, we light this thing up so big that if you stand outside this sukkah, you see this glowing uh, uh, luminescence around it. And it's awesome. Doesn't quite work so well in the sunlight, but at night it's awesome. You can see it. That should be us. These lights are here to remind us of the presence of God that lit up the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it should remind us of the fact that the presence of God wants to light our lives up and lead and guide and direct so that we can be used by him to impact others. We have a call, a great and powerful call, a heavily weighted call to kingdom living. And if you are not, if I am not, if the world around us of believers is not living in the kingdom of God, we are wasting our time and most importantly, we're wasting God's time. And trust me, look at the news for three minutes. You can tell quick, we don't have a lot of time left to waste. For 2,000 years, the body Messiah has been wasting God's time. 
It's time for us to get back on track. It's time for us to start working and living in the kingdom of God, living kingdom lives so that others will see and find the great king, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords that wants to transform our lives by the blood of the lamb, that wants to impact the world around us for the good of his kingdom, that all may come to know the glory of God and the truth of his salvation. It's time for us to stop being a roadblock to the plan of God. And to follow his light, to follow his leading, and to see the world around us chase the light of God in our lives and want to be a part of it. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I pray that you move in such a powerful way in our lives day in and day out. That this, From this moment forward, that everything we breathe and do will flow with the gifts of your Ruach HaKodesh, the gift of your spirit. Father, that the fruit of your spirit will flow and that fruit will be seen in our lives and that others will come to know the truth of your salvation because of what you are doing in our midst. Father, I thank you for this time that we have during this Sukkot and these days that we live in to focus on realigning our lives as part of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the temporal dwelling place of your Shekhinah, of your divine glory. And Lord, I ask you to move in our lives to lead, to guide, to have your will and your way in everything that we do, in every breath that we take, and most importantly, in every action and every word that comes forth from our lives. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen.